0: Hi, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Future Tech podcast series, where it's me, Charlie Sell, the MD of Arrows Group, interviewing, having open conversations with thought leaders, technical leaders, people out in the world there that also share a passion for our STEM graduate community, where they share their story, we talk about culture of companies, and those all important bits of advice for uh, for many of our listeners on getting your foot in the door. So I'm really pleased to have Amrit Suntiara with me today. It's uh, apologies if I've got the the surname slightly wrong, Amrit. <laughs> no, you nailed it. You nailed oh, it. there we go. There we go. Um, Amrit's the founder of um, HX. HX is a fintech um, business based in London with a global client base, and they're essentially building a platform for data-driven decision making in the financial sector. And <laughs> Hopefully part of our conversation, we'll, we'll find out a bit more about it, as it really is a growing sector for many of our STEM listeners. FinTech is a world that, as we all know, is, is only going one way, which is up. Um, but we'll get, jump, jump straight into it, as always, and, and welcome, Amrit, to the show and, and ask you to I give us a bit of your
1: story. Sure thing. Yeah. So I suppose uh, I'm a STEM graduate myself uh, a long, long time ago now when it wasn't really called STEM. Uh, but I studied computer science uh, back in the early 2000s um, and yeah, did computer science, really enjoyed it. Um, but really interestingly, graduated at the time, which I always joke with my uh, friends now, where, um, just around the, the time of the dot-com bubble bursting, um, uh, and so lots of people thought it actually wasn't a good idea to be a software engineer for a career. So I always yeah, tell my, you know, I joke, joke with my, my friends and my, my team now that I was one of those idiots that thought it would be a bad idea to be a software engineer, one of the maybe 50 people in the world uh, who thought, you know what, I've got a computer science graduate from a top university, but I'm not going to be a software engineer. And so instead, Actually, I've, I've always enjoyed mathematics. I did lots of maths at, at, at school. And probably uh, if I could uh, at that time, certainly if I would have gone back in time, I would have done maybe a mix of computer science and maths. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the the rest is history, as they as they say. You know, I ended up um, becoming an actuary. So I left my computer science degree mm-hmm. uh, behind or, or maybe not left it behind, but put it to one side uh, and actuaries build mathematical models. So that's what we do. Uh, Actuaries do lots and lots of different things, they work in lots of sectors, I ended up uh, in the insurance sector, I'll talk a little bit more about that uh, in a moment, but I effectively became a a kind of a professional uh, kind of mathematician statistician uh, whose job it was to build mathematical models uh, to help financial uh, industries um, make better decisions with data. So you can see how HX came along. But I did that uh, having come from a software engineering background, which is actually probably the most useful skill set that anyone could could have. Because I came into an industry, unsurprisingly, these mathematical models, it's been long since that they were built, uh, you know, they were written down on pieces of paper. They're all built using, you know, uh, predominantly spreadsheets, but lots of software uh, to do that. So it turns out I could actually be very useful, you know, having pivoted away from uh, software engineering. Uh, I, I still had a very useful skill set when it came to actually building these mathematical models. So I became an actuary and kind of, yeah, ended up doing that for a little while. Wow. Um, so Yeah. So, you know, having done that, um, I did that for quite a while. Uh, and that was really fun, really great. Uh, I ended up doing that for, um, yeah, really um, most of my career, you know, I, I spent as an actuary. I um, started back in the mid-2000s uh, and ended up working uh, as an actuary for 12 years and had a really good run. Um, it turned out that uh, an actuary come software engineer is a very useful skill set. Um, ended up doing that. And actually, the funny pivot that I ended up back into tech was that I ended up running a, a function. So I started off as an analyst building mathematical models and ended up becoming a head of pricing and analytics doing this sort of work running a team for one of the largest insurers uh, in the space the, the type of insurance that i ended up working with is called specialty and commercial insurance so if you think about insurance generally um you tend to think of well i'm insuring my car or my my um uh, you know if i'm going on holiday or um you know my my house or my pets it turns out there are lots and lots of other types of insurance um you know if you're a film star on a set you can get insurance in case you get hurt. Uh, the Valencian football team, this is my favorite one. I probably wheel this out at too many podcasts now, but I'll tell it anyway because it's, fa- it's one of my favorites. You know, The Valencian football team, uh, I remember a long time ago, bought insurance against uh, losing their TV rights if they got relegated. Um, wow. you know, we insured lo- lotteries in China uh, against paying out their top prize too many times. You know, It turns out you can insure pretty much anything, uh, and the mathematical models to build this sort of... Um, uh, um, uh, to build these sorts of, um, to solve these sorts of problems are quite difficult and complex to build. So I ended up running a team doing this sort of work and to cut a long story short, got into a really senior position doing this and wanted to find the software to do my job better Right. I ended up moving to, you can see where this is going, I ended yeah. up moving into, a, 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 a yeah, like I said, a, a large company, had a great budget. I thought, you know what? I've got a software engineering background, I've got a great team, I've got management buy-in, I've got everything I need. I'm going to go build a 21st century pricing system. Turns out there were no tools to allow me to do this. Um, and so, you know, this is the, the classic founder story in many cases, right? It's, founder, found, it's frustration-driven development, as I, I like to call it. Um, and so I decided to set up HX. Uh, to solve the problem because um, effectively what we describe now is we're saying we're we're building the software we wish we had you know uh when we were um uh uh, doing our jobs as actuaries i don't don't know if that's a a a good potted history for you
0: Uh, that is a brilliant storyline because i think that that frustration driven development you are so so right it's the it's underpinned many many successful startups and, and businesses because it's about it's real life identity of a challenge isn't it it's not it's not sitting in a room thinking what can i solve it's real life this is a problem now i'm going to find a
1: solution for it completely so and i think you know this is one of the beauties of coming from a engineering background is i think one of the greatest th- skills an engineering degree can give you is a problem solver's mindset right, is the ability to look at a problem and go, what does it fit? What are its constituent parts of this problem? And how can I solve them to make a better solution? Or how can I bring things together or come up with novel ways of, of attacking the problem to provide a better solution? And yeah, you know, that never left me. Um, and therefore, you know, in the face of the, uh, uh, the frustration I was facing, I had the, the gall to think I could give it a good go. And it turned out bad, it, it's turned out pretty well. So I'm certainly um, glad I made the jump
0: yeah and and so i think that leads us really nicely on to, to, to what we were talking about just prior to the podcast which was about culture and, and and people and and you know building your own business and and taking that leap from leaving a established company and a, and a, and, a, and, a, and an amazing team of management buy-in. what when you were thinking about the type of business you wanted to build, what, what really stood out to you or the type of culture you wanted to, you have created and, and what's important to you about the culture of your business?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think when I remember when we set up HX, um, this was really key, really key in my mind. And one of the first things I did, um, this will probably telling about me is I picked the color scheme, drew the logo, and then I wrote down our values. Um, because, uh, and I can't remember quite in that order. Um, Maybe that tells you something about me, that colours and logos are very important to me as much as values. My team will have a good chuckle at that. Um, But I, I think, you know, having worked in a large corporate um, uh, world for a really long time. And, and, you know, like I said, I had a great run as an I did that for 12 years. And quite frankly, you know, I always make the joke that if I could have bought the software that I needed, I might still have been in a suit. And clearly no one's in a suit anymore, but you, you, you get the gist, the gist of the joke. Um, one of the things that I was very focused on and very motivated, though, was very large corporates, you know, they operate in a, in a relatively structural, rigid, top-down way. And uh, that was really useful uh, for me in certain parts of my career. But it certainly, in my mind, wasn't the most effective or efficient way to build a business that needed to grow very fast. I wanted to really solve some frontier problems because, as I said, the solutions to the problems that we wanted to have. This is why I, I always used to marvel. I was like, How can a $700 billion industry not actually have any of these tools? It turns out it's actually really hard to build these tools. There's a good reason why people weren't as foolhardy as we were back in the day to jump and uh, 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 try and take them on. But one of the things that really mattered to me was to build a culture that was much more bottom up rather than top down. And I think, you know, HX, we we hit some incredible milestones, revenue milestones, growth milestones, um, profitability milestones with a very, very small team. You know, I, I, we hit our first million dollars of revenue uh, with a team of six, um, for wow. example, which is, I think, really, really unusual. But one of the things that we did there was we had a team who were real owners, you know, and strategy and kind of, uh, the kind of thematic ideas that we want to take on, they tend to be a little bit more top down, understandably so, because we've got founders who understand the, uh, the kind of intersection of the business problem, the commercial opportunity and the technical um, uh, challenges. Uh, And that we're well placed to kind of cascade that through the business. But then actually, you know, the how you go about doing it, the what needs to be done, that's very, very bottom up at HX. So, you know, we have a really, really strong culture of ownership and accountability. Um, And I think those two things have to go really, really hand in hand. You know, I always want I always say that I never want HX to be an easy place to work. Um, I want it to be a really fun place to work and a really challenging place to work in a place that when you work, you know, it, the, the analogy um, that I like is, you know, if you no one goes to the gym to have fun. Right? I mean, maybe there are some people that go to the gym out of fun. I certainly don't. I go to the gym very regularly. I installed a, a very small uh, weightlifting gym in my garden in the pandemic, which is a very amritic thing to do. Uh, but you don't go out there to have fun. You go out there to actually train and get results. And it's the results as a function of the effort you put in that, that really, really matter. And I think when I look at the the, the culture we have built at HX, it's a culture where, you know what, it's, like, you know, again, lots of sporting analogy, cause I'm, and I'm not a very sporty person, anyone who's listening, my friends who, who are listening to this will be laughing because I'm using all these sporting analogies. But it's like, you know, if you're pushing really, really hard in any sporting endeavour, it hurts when you're there. And then you look back and you're like, wow, that was really, really great. And I think we've got this amazing culture that we work together you know we work hard on hard problems and it's you know always interesting and challenging and novel or 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 certainly that for a a large amount of the time but the you know the real satisfaction comes from going wow i wasn't sure that was actually possible uh but turns out that it it turns out that it was and we did it Uh, and you get huge growth you know i talk a huge amount at hx about growth success and happiness these three things which are kind of reasonably kind of orthogonal concepts you can have one or two or of them without having the other um, but if we, we can set up HX so that we're solving, that people are solving the problems or trying to solve the problems uh, in their day-to-day lives that are going to give them growth, success, and happiness, and that aligns with HX's overall problem, uh, then actually kind of success just is just a function of that. Um, that's broadly what I see my job as, for the record, is trying to align the growth, success, and happiness of every team, person, individual at HX with HX's overall Growth, success, and happiness. If I if I if I do a good job of that as CEO, if I can do that well, a CEO kind of success just yeah, as I said, it, it comes naturally.
0: Yeah, and I I could not agree with you more around how how the end result being whatever it might be, whether it's revenue, profit, growth, it's it's actually all about the function of the the, the teams that you have, and the more inspired the team, the 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 outcome is is just the pure result of, of what you put in. And um and I do love your sporting analogies. I'm a huge rugby fan myself. And so I've never really thought about it. But that's exactly what I think about in the days I used to play rugby is, you know, during the game, you're in pain, you know, and, and although you're yeah. enjoying parts of it, you're you're in pain. But at the minute the final whistle and you've got that result and you look back on what you've achieved, you, you want to do it again. Cause because it's all about that 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 that, that achievement, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, completely so. And I think, you know, one thing I would say is a high growth technology startup, a fintech startup is not for everyone, right? Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that you you learn a huge amount about yourself when you set up a business or you work in a high growth business. Um, And we talk a lot at HX about acceptance versus ambition. Right. And I think these are very different attitudes that people have towards doing difficult things. And some people want to do difficult things. Right. And, you know, I think this is the key thing, and I would never sugarcoat it. You know, working in a high growth fintech is hard. Right? It's a hard job to do and lots of jobs are hard. I'm not saying it's the only hard job. Um, uh, it's, a, it's challenging. You've you know, got large, very, very discerning, very demanding customers. Pressure to grow, uh, you know, important milestones that you need to hit uh, and lots of uncertainty. Um, but if you've got people who want to solve those problems, you know, they've got to the get out what you put in mentality. And I think there are lots of people in the world, you know, uh, who maybe don't want to work at a startup, who are less suited to work at a startup, who are much like, you know, work is work. Right. And that's cool. And I accept I've got to do it and it's work and it takes up a certain amount of my time. But it, and it's a means to an end. And that acceptance mindset is very different. And, you know, we we, we very rarely. Well, it, that's not the sort of mindset that tends to thrive uh, uh, at HX. And I think, like you say, you know, that your analogy of, you know, it's like the wow. Yeah, it hurts when you're, you're grinding. Um, on the rugby pitch but you feel great afterwards yeah uh, the one yeah. thing i would say and i think this is probably important because my team would be like amrit you're making hx out to sound like pain and blood on the <laughs> rugby field um you know I, I, one thing i would say to that and i think this is a really important intersection to to doing hard things um and thriving out of them is that the most important and i'll touch on this a little bit later i think the most important variable to me is enjoying your work right is passion and f- enjoying what you do uh, and I think, you know, something can be very difficult in the moment, but that doesn't take away from the abstract, great satisfaction and feeling you get, you know, before and after, but also during. And I think that is the secret, you know, I think it's not the sort of thing where you're like, you know, I want to grow, uh, so I have to do this. It's actually, no, I'm passionate about it. And, I, you know, it's not the just the, the result that justifies it. It's the, you know, I, this it work, it, it doesn't feel like work a lot of the time. Right, and I think that's very, a very important kind of overarching theme. You, you hear a lot, a lot at HX uh, about the passion that people have for that, you know, for their work, but for their extracurricular subjects as well.
0: Yeah, and again, I, I do think that's a really good point because you know what, what I love about this is your your candidness. That that you, we shouldn't sugarcoat that there is a. Difference between um, uh, a a work, you know, working for a paycheck versus working for a career or 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 for success or or, or passion, and and startups aren't for everyone. I totally agree with you with many of our clients, and and actually this isn't just for our STEM listeners, but also I I I try to manage expectations of at every stage of someone's career that, that the type of business they join has to fit, not just. The salary that has been offered actually is more important is what are they going to get out of it from a passion and a reward and a self-satisfaction. And if they do want a nine to five and and actually the the salary, a stable salary and a and a nine to five job is what they want, there's an industry that suits that, but it but it won't necessarily be the high growth fast tech ones that, that will attract a different type. And for our graduate listeners, which which I'd love us to move on to, because I think for many of our listeners when they're thinking about their career, you know, my, my advice to them, and I, I wonder if you share it, Amrit, is, is go for ambition, go for a business that will get the best out of you, not the business that stays safe, and you will be bored within within 12 months or 24 months and want to leave.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, you've, you've hit the nail on the head there. And, and you know, to me, uh, the one thing I would just qualify before taking that, and pulling on it a little bit is hours is definitely a a part of it it's not the be all and end all Mm -hmm. about the you know in terms of the what intensity is to to me the biggest thing about intensity is how you deal with problems you know whether it can be you know challenges which can be working hours related you know you don't certainly get out what you put in with respect to that to a certain extent but more about dealing with uncertainty and i think you just touched on that right it's actually about there's uncertainty in a risky reward, risk versus reward environment from a business stability point of view, but there's uncertainty also about, do I want to take on problems that I'm not sure I know how to solve? Yeah. Right, you know, do I, want to do, do I want to work in a domain where someone's going to ask me to do something and, you, and, and, and you'll say, well, how do I do that? And they say, no, no, I don't know. That's your job to work out how to do it. Or do you want to actually work for something where it's a little bit more productionized and actually someone's going to teach you, they're going to give you an, a, a, an instruction list and you're going to crank it. And uh, yeah, and, and you know, just horses for courses, as you said. Yeah. Um, but with res- with respect to your your point about risk, I think you know, I, I have a podcast. I hope you don't mind me just uh, yeah. mentioning it now. It's called Startup. It's called Startup Dads. Uh, I'm a startup founder. I'm also a dad, and we ask a, uh, um, uh, we we get really great entrepreneurs and startup founders and investors and people from the startup community, uh, and we ask them questions about the intersection between building a business and and um, uh, having a family and how they do both because it's something that's difficult. And I can tell you firsthand hand that that's have, being a dad, uh, first time dad is difficult and running a startup is difficult and doing them both is very difficult. But the reason I was talking about that is one of the things that comes up a huge amount. And I think we had Fred Destin, who's a legendary vent- venture capitalist on the show. Uh, it's definitely worth a listen to that episode. He just talks really neatly about the fact that you can take much more risk early in your life than you think you can. Right. And I think, you know, particularly and, you know, I'll say this to you, you know, I came, um, I was born in Sri Lanka, I came from uh, um, I'm an Im- a proud assimilated immigrant to England. And, you know, stability and security is something that was really important to me when I got a job, because uh, uh, I was like, you know what, we worked really hard and, and had more than our fair share of struggle when we were young um, uh, to get ourselves educated and, uh, uh, and build a life for ourselves. But one of the things I think that people underestimate is You definitely want to to have a, a, a baseline of security and stability, but it's generally far, far lower than the average graduate, STEM graduate needs. You know, 15 lattes a month. Um, lots of drinking, you know, I think the, this, the, next, the, the, the current generation of graduates are far more sensible and d- d- spend less time destroying their brain cells with alcohol than previous generations did. And I think that's a fantastic thing. But, you know, the baseline level of comfort you, you, that you need to be stable and secure is far, far lower than you think it is. And the opportunity to take risk. Um, you know, as you get older, you naturally accumulate more dependencies, more uh, external obligations. The opportunity to to get take risk diminishes. Uh, generally in a quite an irreversible way you know having kids is a good example of a definitely an irreversible thing Um, but there are a few but you know there are a few other things that are very difficult to reverse too you know if you have ambitions to buy your own house or you know you have other dependents or people that you need to look after as people get older within your family circle or your friendship circle and you know the first thing yeah that's the first thing I would say is you can take a lot more risk I'm not suggesting you go out there and you throw all your money into the most random crypto stock or something like that, right? That's not what I mean. What I mean is look really carefully at what you need and look really carefully at actually what you need, what really matters to you now and what you can see mattering to you in the future and then work out what actual risk you can afford to take. And that will be different for everyone. Like There's no doubt about that. you know, um, we have team members at HX who took almost no money at the beginning uh, 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 of uh, um, our journey and, you know, were paid in equity, effectively. We offered them, that wasn't something we forced anyone to do, um, uh, but that was a good example of them not wanting for anything, you know, th- th- sure, they weren't going out buying takeaways for dinner every day, uh, but they've made an amazing investment in themselves and put themselves in a financial level of financial um, strength that certainly most people would be very, very glad to have at a very young age. It's worth just mentioning HX, you know, our founding team of engineers, STEM graduates, one of them graduated from Cambridge uh, and then the next day started at HX. Elliot, our, our first ever team member, Elliot, was at Imperial. He was working, he was studying at Imperial. He actually did his internship uh, at HX, and he ended up finishing his degree a, a year early, cutting it short to work at HX. So we're, you know, we are uh, STEM graduates through and through. Um, but yeah, that's the first thing I, w- uh, the first thing I would say with respect to risk um, uh, and career advice. The second one I would say, I don't know uh, if it's okay for me to run through onto my next point.
0: Please, yes.
1: Yeah. So, so you're, the the second, probably the last point I would say is, if you work in STEM, we have never had. Oh, sorry. If you if you're studying STEM right now. A STEM subject. We have never had such an era where, where, pretty much any problem in the world has a technology angle. You know, you you know, there are technology startups building grocery delivery startups, right? Um, you know, we work in, a, we live in an era where technology. You know, everyone, Andreessen Horowitz, one of the leading venture venture capitalists, they say software is eating the world, right? And science and technology, uh, STEM, is you know, you basically can anything that you remotely find interesting you can go and find a stem job in it right what an amazing position to be in uh, absolutely amazing position so i would say two things be careful of predict- of projecting what you find interesting as a subject as a, 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 be careful of conflating that as something that you'll find interesting as a job so i mm-hmm. that's the first piece of advice i would say is you know working for a company that does grocery delivery if you if you I I don't know why I'm picking on grocery delivery for whatever reason but you know grocery delivery and the work involved in grocery delivery startups those are two completely different things yeah but a a corollary to that a really nice uh, uh, um, uh, kind of uh, corollary to that is that you can pretty much find a stem job in any topic any subject Right. That that any subject. If you're if you're if you're studying a STEM degree now, the subject that you find more, most interesting, you can go and find a highly impactful job somewhere out there uh, that is related to the subject, the, the subdomain of knowledge that you found most interesting when you were studying. And I think there are far too many people that think too much about actually um, the high level business, which I think is important. And I think, you know, you want to have a sense of mission and enjoy the success of your business. But actually, one thing I would say, the biggest driver of success I've ever seen in in people in my team, predominantly in my career as a mathematician and then an engineering business uh, founder. um, So most of the people who have worked for me have been STEM graduates. The number one driver of success from them is how interested the actual work they have been doing has been to them and you know I use that phrase pulling on a thread if they find the work that they're doing in the day-to-day interesting they've become domain leaders and world beaters in that subject and to me I would say think very carefully about actually what you love doing you know don't go what's the most uh, you know DevOps right you know even maybe a year ago was the most hot thing so you know DevOps I should go do that think of what you really really love. And go and follow that because your interest will drive you, your interest will drive your success and you've got a long time to specialize so pull on that thread that you find the most interesting and you're most interested to pull on first would be the advice i would have
0: and i think both of those points have, have absolutely hit um so some really really poignant points the what i loved about what you just said and again to helping to recap for our listeners the the understanding what risk you can take, and, and and the reality is, the 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 younger we are, without being ageist, or the the more less dependence we have, as he said, there is that risk that we should take. That you know that you're young enough to be able to make mistakes. In fact, um, and we, we had a slight joke earlier, didn't we? That um, you know, probably you and I, that I've learned more by my mistakes than I have of my successes. But making those mistakes at the beginning of my career, rather than towards the middle of lesser age you they are learning points and you're they're not suddenly causing the stress and frustration that that may may affect others and what i secondly loved was you're so right find the subjects that you have an interest in and you will be able to back it with a technology or with a business that that shares that passion um and that just takes a bit of research and a bit of time to think more out of not just the standard, I have got a degree now, I need to join a bank or a law firm or an established FMCG, but actually, I can really think about what I want, because you will become a domain expert. I love those points.
1: Yeah, yeah. One of my friends uses a really wonderful phrase, which he says, the world is creating STEM problems at a rate far faster than it is creating people available to solve them. Right. Yeah, and that's yeah. a positive sum environment to be in. So go get it.
0: Yeah, what a brilliant way to summarise. That's that's fantastic. Well, Amit, thank you. Can you believe that's that's that time has flown by? And and to, to hear your passion, through not just the business you built and your story, but actually the culture and the and, and your advice to our listeners, it's so evident to hear. This is something that you know, it's the blood in your veins, isn't it? It's not just something that you absolutely uh, um, put on. So so for me thank you thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast you're very welcome thanks for having me i really enjoyed it and for our listeners that is another episode of our future tech podcast series so um, as always the podcast is on the arrows group landing page arrowspodcasts.com. it's on the career portal of 34 universities now Um, And it's also on our dedicated Spotify channel. So everything will be linked um, in both our LinkedIn um, uh, posts, but also on, um, on our Arrow's podcast page. So a final thank you to everyone tuning in, listening and downloading the podcast. And until the next one, everyone, have a great day.